Hi everyone, great to be here again actually, I was here a year-ish, maybe a year or two ago uh, and good on you for working your way through uh, a topic that wrestles with the fact that for many people in the world um, there are other live options for faith. Most people here I'm guessing are Christian and so for us Christianity is what we think is true but uh, as Bruce mentioned before, probably a quarter of the world thinks that Islam is the truth and they believe that it makes the most sense to them. They think that there were events that happened around Muhammad that really happened and they also believe that Islam makes the most sense of their life. They can work it, they can work life in a way. Uh, and so it's, it's good that we take that seriously. Partly... Uh, and this, I'd like this to really to be a live question for you, not just an academic question about Islam over there. Um, but this is a real question to do with eternity, to do with people that you will be working with and going to school with or uni or playing with. Um, we just had John 6 or a bit of John 6 read out. In John 6... People go to Jesus and say, what are the works that you want us to do? What are the works that God wants us to do? And that's a crucial question when we're talking about Islam. What is it that God wants from us? I think last week you did Buddhism. Um, the Buddhist worldview is very, very different. The Muslim worldview, uh, in many ways, is very similar to Christianity. Christianity. They believe in God, they believe in prophets, they believe in revelation, they believe in judgment... They believe in Scripture. Um, and so it's worth understanding why it is that as Christians, we think we have the truth and that they don't have the truth. Now, the way I'm going to go about doing that, it's going to be like a crash course in Christian apologetics to Islam, what I might teach in a term. I'm going to go for it in half an hour. I'm going to move fairly quickly. There'll be time for questions. And... I'm going to give you sort of three broad categories for thinking about this. And as well, this will be quite personal in the sense of, this is why I think, this is why I prefer Christianity over Islam. This is why not Islam for me. Uh, and the first, here are the three sort of categories. You've got philosophically or theologically, here are some of the debates that Christians and Muslims argue over, objections that they have towards each other. Uh, second area is history, which faith makes the most sense of history, particularly around Jesus and around uh, the time of Muhammad as well. Uh, and then the last one is obviously more personal. And just as a aside, I think this, this is a good overview of how you do apologetics in general. You'll have particular questions around philosophy and theology that are important for people, but then there's also like, abstract questions, if you like, then there's the reality of what's, what actually happened. And then, perhaps most importantly for people, how do I make sense of this in my life? What works for me? What doesn't work for me? And my experience with speaking with Muslims is that you'll spin around in circles around the theological questions. But the real important questions, the thing that drives why we make our choices about our faith, 
uh, what it looks like on the ground. How does it work for me? How does it touch my heart? How does it make me laugh? How does it make me cry? How does it allay my fears? What hope does it give me? Um, and that's where I want to end up, and I think that's the more important thing. So if you get bored by the early bit, don't worry, we'll get to the good stuff. Okay, philosophical reasons. I'm really not going to go into these in any depth, but in very, just in brief, Islam says that God is absolutely one. It doesn't just say there is one God, although it says that, it says God is absolutely one. There is no division within God, there is no complexity within God, and particularly, there's no such thing as a trinity. You can't say that God has any diversity within Him at all, He's totally one. But it makes sense to me that God is diverse and united, clearly there is one God, but it makes sense that there is diversity within God or complexity within God, because that's, that's the universe. We experience univer- uni- unity and diversity in so many things. The complexity of the universe is best explained by the fact that God is not just an impersonal monad is the a, is a correct term, that doesn't change, doesn't move, doesn't interact. We experience unity and diversity all the time and related to that is Islam says God is not personal, God is unchanging, doesn't move. Makes more sense to me that God is personal and relational, partly because that's how we're built. The most important things to us are relationships, the things that drive us is love and we are people. Makes the most sense that the reason for that is because our Creator is personal and relational. That's why it's the most important. Islam says it's not like that. You can't have a relationship with God. That's not how it works. God doesn't do relationship in Islam. Islam also says that we choose to sin or not. Islam says you have total freedom. You can be good if you want to be good. You can be bad if you want to be bad. It's totally up to you. You have complete freedom. It makes more sense to me that sin is a deeper problem for us than that. Christianity says sin is, we're trapped in it. We can't choose to be good. Even if you wanted to, we can't choose to do it. That makes more sense to me. I think if there is any doctrine of Christianity that is empirically empirically testable, it's that sin is real and deep and that humans can't just choose to be good. Islam says that law is essential, but I mean essential in the true sense of the word. The essence of what it is to be a religious person or the essence of religion is that God gives you laws and you follow the laws. In Islam, God God doesn't reveal Himself. In fact, um, Al-Ghazali, very famous, probably the best Muslim thinker in history, he said, there's no, God is unknowable. There's no theology in Islam. God doesn't reveal Himself. What He does is He reveals His will to you, He reveals His laws to you. And the essence of faith, the essence of religion is that you follow the laws. But it makes more sense to me that rules, they come inside relationships. Relationships are more important than rules. I'm guessing that's how it works in your family. You've probably got rules. We have rules in our family, don't jump off the roof into the pool, don't beat up your brothers, 
But the rules don't make us family. They're just like putting into code how we're going to love each other. And that's what it's like in the Bible. The Old Testament's full of laws, but the covenant start, started with a relationship. And then the rules were just, this is what it's going to look like for us to build a community that's loving and caring and welcomes refugees and all that stuff that's in the Old Testament. The laws don't drive it. It's people and community and relationships that drive it. And the laws are just trying to put some flesh on how we're going to do that properly. That makes more sense to me than that laws are actually in the center. Islam says as well that you can be absolutely certain about your beliefs in Islam. But more than that, you're not allowed to doubt them. Don't ask questions. There's a saying in Islam, kafirs ask questions. Unbelievers are the ones that ask questions. You just need to accept. No doubt. No questioning. Because doubt is dangerous. Doubt leads to disbelief. Makes more sense to me that God would give us the responsibility to ask questions and to wrestle with things. And one of the cool things about the Bible is it's full of people yelling at God. The Psalms is one big yelling out at God. And when Thomas said, you know, I'm not going to believe until I can stick my finger in, grab it, not going to believe. And Jesus, doesn't, didn't, doesn't, uh, Jesus didn't say to him, hey, just believe, buddy. He actually said, here you go, stick them in. It makes more, more sense to me that God would give us the space to be responsible believers and people that question and wonder and doubt. Islam says that law transforms. It's not just that you keep the law, but the way that you fix up society, the way that you fix up your life, if it's in a mess, it's by keeping the law. ISIS in the Middle East, they don't think of themselves as terrorists. What they think of is we're creating a state and in this state we're going to enforce God's laws. Some people might not like that, but we're going to do it for their good because that's how you create a just society, a fair society, a society that reflects God's will is you impose the laws, you enforce the laws. And laws are good, but it doesn't make sense to me that laws transform. I mean, you look at the Middle East, it hasn't worked. Uh, it makes more sense to me that transformation of lives and societies is a heart thing. It's a spiritual thing and you're going to need a different dynamic. It's not just, you can't just enforce it from the outside. It's got to come from the inside out. And Christianity promises that God's Spirit will come into you and he'll, he'll make you alive, He'll wake you up. That makes more sense to me. Islam says, you are on your own. God made you and He put you in the world and He's given you the rules. Now, go keep them. He doesn't give you any assistance. And then on the last day, you stand before Him with no help other than you're, you're there with your works hoping that He'll be nice to you, hoping I have mercy. It makes more sense to me that if God really loves us, that He'll do whatever He can to help us. Including sending His Son, including putting His Spirit in us. 
Now, there's some theological things, and you may or may not have got in debates with Muslims about that, particularly Trinity, and whether Jesus coming to the cross really is God helping, or whether that demeans God. If you want to look into that stuff more, you can grab my book, or you can chase down stuff on the internet, there'll be far more stuff than uh, you can deal with, it's like drinking from a fire hydrant on that sort of stuff. And it's important to know that stuff. But let's move on to stuff that's, I think, a little more helpful. Let's look at some of the history. This is about what makes sense of reality, the things that have really happened. The first thing I want to say is that the Bible is more reliable than the Quran. This is really important because for a Muslim, the Quran is entirely, totally reliable. And what they mean by that is, <coughs> pardon me, they, every single word, line, dot, letter, it's completely perfect. It's never been changed. Muhammad recited it and I made lots of copies and the fourth leader of Islam, Uthman, collected this authoritative text and it was perfect then and it's been unchanged ever since. And you can still get it today. Every single dot, letter, absolutely perfect. Problem is, that's just not true. Muslims won't know this, they've been told this. But they really, again, doubt is not great, so they've never really looked into their text history very much. A friend of mine did, his name's Dan Brubaker. He, for his PhD, and God bless him, I love Dan, I would have driven me absolutely batty, but what he did was he spent years going around to museums and libraries in the Middle East, finding the oldest Quran texts that are around, looking at every single letter with a microscope, looking to see whether they were unchanged. And what he discovered was that every single one of the earliest manuscripts on every single page were riddled with changes. Again, Muslims won't know this, but he, that's a picture that he took of, an, of a Quran, an early Quran. And if you see the, the dark texts, the dark letters, if you look really closely, you'll see there's a rubbing out and a changing, like the stuff underneath has been rubbed out and new things have been written over the top. All the Qurans are full of this and they're not even the same as each other. Uh, Muslims are told that the Quran is entirely reliable, never been changed. But it just isn't. And they never really look closely at it. And not only that, the gap, the earliest ones we have are hundreds of years after the time of Muhammad. The earliest Bible fragments we have are same generation and we have thousands of texts. Great book, Keith Small, down the bottom, it's called Holy Books Have a History, if you want to dig deep, deeper into this sort of stuff. But the Bible is more reliable than the Quran. Second point, second historical point. Uh, the Bible is more miraculous than the Quran. For Muslims, the Qur'an is, it's the big miracle of Islam. Its existence is miraculous. And so they say, this, this book has features in it that are only explained by a being of divine origin. So, Muhammad was illiterate, so how could an illiterate person come up with something like this? Or it, the Arabic is so beautiful that it must be from God. Um, or it has scientific um, 
claims in it that nobody could possibly have known back then. But again, none of that is, none of that are good arguments for, none of them are miraculous. People back then were actually pretty smart. Muslims led the way in science. They knew where babies came from. They knew how things worked. They knew astronomy. They're very bright. There's nothing scientific in the Quran that is inexplainable. Yeah, Muhammad was literate, but the Quran is not a book. It was a, it was an oral piece of communication. So he was clearly a great poet. And beauty, yeah, it might be beautiful in Arabic. People dispute that, by the way. There's other Arabic texts that people say are more beautiful, but let's say it was the most beautiful. Does that make Shakespeare the Word of God? Um, Being a beautiful text doesn't make something divine, doesn't make it a miracle. But then you look at the Bible, I'm not, don't do the maths, by the way, I'm not trying to have a mathematical proof for God or for the Bible. The point I'm making is that the resurrection, there is no explanation for the resurrection other than it's a miracle. If it happened, it's a miracle. And the Bible testified to it, there were many prophecies hundreds of years beforehand that testified to it. There is no explanation for that other than that is from God. That's just one feature of the Bible. I'm not saying the book is miraculous, but the content of our book is necessarily miraculous. If the resurrection is real, then Christianity really is true, and it really is a miracle. The Christian tradition is better attested attested to in history. There's a book that recently came out, this is a picture from it, it's called Quranic Geography and I don't know if you know much about mosques but in the mosque, um, when Muslims pray, they pray towards Mecca and inside a mosque, the prayer halls, the main halls, they're always oriented, maybe not the building but at least the way the Uh, the sort of worship space is oriented, it's always towards Mecca, you pray towards Mecca. Uh, If you see the the red arrows, uh, a guy went and actually looked at some of the earliest mosques in Islam for the first couple of hundred years and he worked out that none of them were oriented toward Mecca, they were all oriented towards Petra in the north. Um, Another friend of mine, Mark Jury, who's a linguist, he looked into the Arabic of the Quran um, and he said, yeah, the Arabic of the Quran is not from around Mecca either because they would say it's perf- that's where Arabic originated is what Muslims would say. It was this perfect Arabic that was shaped by the Quran and it grew out of Mecca. It didn't. The Arabic in the Quran is from North Arabia, again, around where Petra was. Now, is this conclusive proof? No, but what it's saying is that the traditions that Muslims are relying on, and again, they just don't go and research to see whether it fits, but it's not fitting together. What they say in the traditions does not fit with the history on the ground. Christian history is well attested to. Go and get one of, like, Dicko, John Dixon's books, The Christ Files, look into the history of the texts. Uh, it actually fits.
most importantly, I think historically, any faith has to make sense or have some explanation for the event of Jesus, His life and His death and His resurrection. And the best that Islam comes up with, up with is, didn't happen, or maybe God tricked you, God put somebody else, tricked us, he, put, he deceived us by putting somebody else on the cross who wasn't Jesus but made him look like Jesus, or maybe it was Judas that got put on the cross because he was a baddie, but they just deny that the crucifixion happened. But the crucifixion, if there's any part of Jesus' life that is well attested to in history, outside of the Scriptures, it's that Jesus was crucified. The weight of evidence, weight of historical evidence, um, it falls on Christianity's side. And again, Muslims don't know about this stuff, they have never looked into it. It's starting to happen. So, I was at a conference last year where one of the leading Muslim academics finally admitted that the traditional story could not have been the true story of the Qur'an. The evidence just goes against it. So, for me, Christianity makes more sense, it fits better with the history, uh, but, again, perhaps most importantly, I'll drop a big word in, existential. Um, when it comes to life, when it comes to my guts, we talked about our heads and back then, but when it comes to here, uh, I like Christianity more than I like Islam. I get why Muslims like Islam, I, I just like Christianity more. Here's a few reasons why. I like Jesus more than I like Muhammad. Um, that's a, by the way, that picture, that's, that's an early Persian picture of the guy on the left is Muhammad, that's why he's got the biggest halo. And the, the, in, in the line there, you've got Abraham, Moses, Jesus, and they're all sort of coming and making offerings to Muhammad because he's the best. But I like Jesus more than Muhammad. Muhammad, for his time, was a pretty impressive guy. He was a 7th century Arab man who, for his time, was... Um, he was just, he was merciful, he worked very hard at being a noble leader, but he really was a general, he led armies, the Muslim community was violent, the laws were by Christian standards, um, unjust treatment of women was not great. For his time, he was very impressive and he established what became a huge empire. One of the things, and you, most people these days forget the history, but Within just over 100 years, Islam went from a few little tribes in Saudi Arabia to taking over most of the known world around the Mediterranean. Um, it was very impressive as an exercise of human leadership and Muhammad was a very clearly an impressive poet and an impressive leader. But... I just like Jesus more, and I mean this as a person, let's leave aside the, the miracles, and they're pretty cool, but I just mean as a person. Jesus never took revenge. Jesus never took a whole lot of women. Uh, Muhammad took wives and then took other people's wives, and then changed the rules so he could take more wives. 
Jesus never took over at all. It's one of the bizarre and amazing things about Jesus that he never enforced himself on anyone. Even in the story we just read out in John 6, he just says to them, do you want to go? Do you want to stay? He doesn't say, hey, I'm the truth. (laughs) You better stay with me. Jesus doesn't enforce himself on people. He deals with people with grace and truth and love and he does it faithfully even to the point of sacrificing himself for people. To me, Jesus is far more impressive than Muhammad. I like church more than the mosque. Maybe you're grumpy at church at the moment. I get that. I've been a minister. There's lots of sheep bites. I know it can get frustrating. And I'm not sure if you've ever been in a mosque. I haven't been in this particular mosque. But that's a great image of at least what a mosque is supposed to be. They're beautiful and they are incredibly religious. If you go to a big mosque where there are thousands, I'm not with the women, with the men down on the floor there, if you line up, I remember sitting behind rows of, uh, not quite thousands, hundreds of Muslims lined up saying their prayers. It is very powerful, it's very impressive and it feels very, it feels so religious. There's an austerity and a seriousness to worship in the mosque it just feels like, yeah, that's religion. You're taking God very seriously. It's not frivolous. And it's very, the rituals, yeah, that's what you should do. You should bow down like that. You should humble yourself before God. You should make it, you should submit before God. Church is a bit messier than that. But I like that messiness. I'll explain what I mean by that. I remember... I went to a Muslim lecture down in Melbourne and they had a guy giving his testimony. He'd become a Muslim, he was from an Australian background. And by the way, almost no Australians are becoming Muslim. Some women convert to marry someone, a few Aboriginals, particularly in the jails, um, buy into a political form of Islam, but very few people are converting. But this guy was saying, yeah, as a teenager I went to Christian youth camps but they were a joke because it was like a birthday party. All they were doing was singing, they would sing and they would sing and they would sing. No one was taking God seriously at all. They were just having a party. And I want to say, yes, that's exactly right. We're the singing people. And we're singing because even though our lives are a mess, and even though we struggle to do church well, we're singing for joy that we're a bunch of broken people who God has said, you can come close and we're going to start fixing things up from the inside by my spirit. I'm going to forgive you, you're good with me and we're going to learn what it is to be a community together. We're going to learn to be repenters together. We're going to learn how to forgive each other and be grace people together. It's going to be horrible and it's going to be messy but it's going to be beautiful and brilliant and we're going to sing every time because we're singing for joy. Good church is not full of good people And please don't try and be good people with each other. Please be honest, repenting people. You go into a mosque, everyone's trying to be good because that's what you've got to do. They're the rules. Be good, be good, be good. 
when I try and do good church, and you do great church here, it's fantastic, the music's great, the service is great, but just do real church and do messy, honest church. The best church I ever, best worship service I was ever a part of was at our old church where we were singing a song, I can't remember the song, but we, we sang very simple songs because we were a multicultural church, a lot of people didn't speak English, and we started singing this song, and we give the kids instruments as well to get them involved, and... Um, the music, for whatever reason, all the musicians, all three of them were out of tune with each other. The service leader or the song leader had started singing a different song. The kids were bashing so loud that we couldn't hear very much. And after about a verse, because the service leader didn't realize that they were singing the wrong song, they were on the next one, everyone just started laughing because it was so bad, (laughs) but also because it was so good. Because we're we were just making a joyful noise to the Lord. It was so joyful and so horrible, all at the same time. And that's, for me, that's a parable of church. It's a mess, because we're broken, messy people. But we're rejoicing because... Well, because of... That's my next point. We're rejoicing because Christianity has a gospel... Islam has no gospel, has no good news, has a message, and that's the message, God's giving you some requirements, you've got to do this stuff, this is your duty, Islam, you submit to God and you do what you're told, and Muhammad's a great example of how to do it, and you follow Muhammad, and you do pray like he prayed, and you do family like he, he did his family, it's no, good, it's no good news though, it's just a whole lot of rules, whereas Christianity, we sing because we have a gospel, we have good news that we are redeemed, that we are loved, that we are forgiven, that we do have hope, that God's Spirit is raising us up and making us into new people. Uh, this is my last point and then we'll have some questions. I like the Christian life more than the Muslim life. You'll meet some Muslims who are fantastic people. I'm not saying that Christians' lives are going to be more together or, again, more good or more uh, loving. You'll find Muslims that will outlove you, probably. I just mean the heart of the Christian life, the life we're aspiring to, the life we're called to. I like that more than the call to be a good person under law. These pictures, these are pictures of a place called Mokotum, which is in Cairo. I don't know if anyone here has ever been there, but uh, it's not on the tourist routes. For many years, Christians were the, and they still are, the rubbish collectors of Cairo, because they're the second-class citizens, they're at the bottom. And they would go and collect the rubbish, and they would bring it back to Mokotum, it's like this valley, and there they would have it in their backyards, and they would sort it, and their kids would play in it, and they would recycle it. They're the recyclers of Cairo. It was a horrible, disgusting place to visit. The smell was unimaginable. They lived there, they, their homes were there, their schools were there, their lives were there. Um, and the, the bottom right there, that's their church, by the way. It was dug out of the caves. Um, thousands of people, oh, they're Coptic Christians, and thousands of people meet there every Sunday. And for me, there's this beautiful parable of what it is to be Christians in engagement with Muslims, 
the Muslims were, they were clean and they were being good people, but the Christians were the servants. They were doing the dirty work. They were humbling themselves. They were being the grace people. They weren't fighting back. They were being grace people. And that's the call of the Christian life, to be a grace person, to be a servant. It doesn't mean we can't be bold, but we're grace people. A friend of mine, when just after Moore College, a friend of mine who was then had just started being an Anglican minister, he started wrestling with the truth of Islam, or whether or not Islam was true, because he'd engaged, gone out west, met some Muslim people, and he found found himself incredibly attracted to Islam. And again, if you start talking to a Muslim, don't just say it's bad, 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 bad. You need to understand why Muslims like Islam. And he engaged with Muslims, and he started to see the beauty of, it's like the mosque picture, the beauty of that religious life. I remember talking with him about it, and in the end, the thing that stopped him becoming a Muslim... um, And the word he said to me, word for word, he said, um, the thing that stopped me was, I didn't want to become a son of perdition. I don't know if you know that word, perdition. There's a movie, Road to Perdition. What it means is, it's a place of judgment. I don't want to come under condemnation. Because at the end of the day, the Muslim life is, here are all the rules, and when you stand before God on the last day, there's a fear that you're not going to measure up, you haven't been good enough. Uh, the Quran mentions hell on average once every seven verses. Um, and Muslims, traditional Muslims, they live under that fear all the time, that they're under, they're a son of perdition, they're someone who is under condemnation for not being good enough at keeping the rules. But the Christian life... And the most common, the flip side is the most common command in the Bible is don't be afraid. Nabil Qureshi, a friend of mine, has written a great book called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. It's his testimony. Go and grab it and read it. It's really cool. But when he talks about the moment where, and he was a very devout Muslim, talks about the moment he put his faith in Christ and so much of his life fell apart. He was rejected from his community and his family. But despite all the chaos around him, the moment he went down on his knees before Jesus, he just felt an irrepressible joy. And that's why I choose the, the Christian life. We're the singing people. We're the joyful people. And yeah, it's, it's messy and it's costly. We're grace people, we're servant people. We follow a servant king who went to a cross. Uh, but there's a joy in that. come back, I haven't really preached on John 6, but just the end there. Um, and this is, I think this is the thing for me, because when you, if you interact with much with Muslims, you'll get into debates and a, a clever Muslim can make your beliefs look really silly very quickly, can make you look silly for believing in trinities and incarnations and crosses that are unfair and all these sort of things that they'll say to you. But for me, in the end, it's this stuff of John 6 where Jesus said, do you want to go as well? Um, why not? go to Buddhism, why don't you go to atheism, why don't you go to these things? And, and the answer of the disciples is, where else are we going to go? Uh, you've got life, you've got the words of eternal life. And for me, if we leave aside all the theology and all the history, what it really came down to when I was working with Muslims was, you know what, I've, 
I found life over here. I found grace. I found resurrection. Forget all these theological debates. I'm not going to go anywhere else because this is life. This is resurrection. Let me pray and then we can have a, maybe have time for a few questions. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that through Jesus you showed us that you are real and that you love us and that you are personal and you want to engage with us and you want to restore that relationship and that you did everything you could to bring us back. And thank you that when we see the resurrection, we see the hope of new life and the hope that eternity is real and it's secured for us. Uh, Father, as we interact with, in the world and as we live and work and play with Muslim people, help us to live that resurrection life. Live lives of grace and service and speak words of truth. Help us to speak the gospel to them because we do have good news. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we've got about five minutes for any questions. Scott's up the back. Hands go flying up all over. We've got one here. I'll just pass it along. Um, that, was, that was fantastic. Thank you. Um, your discussions set it up as a bit of a choice. I mean, like, I mean, what, what you preferred and you right. al- also described at the end your friend who was at Moore College and also almost thought about converting. So I was just wondering, is there any commonality between Christianity and, and Islam? And also probably, you know, and, and, you know do, we, do we worship the same God? Yeah? Oh, right, sure. I actually wrote an article for Eternity newspaper about whether we worship the same God. And... Sure, there's a, there's a lot of commonality in the big picture, but when you get down to the details, it's very different. So, um, and there's different ways I would answer this, but like philosophically, we're talking about the same being, so we're talking about the creator who's eternal and self-existing and all those sort of classical terms about God. But when we talk about the character of God that's in the Quran and in the Bible, it's very, very different. Um, there's also commonality because... I didn't quite put a lot of this before, but there are no original ideas in the Quran. Muhammad inherited a whole lot of ideas from Judaism and from Christianity and from some of the Arab religions around him at the time. And so, yeah, a lot of the concepts are quite similar. Um, But again, when you sort of dig down into them, um, the substance is quite different. So I'll give you an example. You can talk about the Messiah with a Muslim. And they'll say, yes, Jesus is the Messiah. But you ask them what a Messiah is... I have no idea, because there's no, it's, it's, again, it's a theological idea that's in the Quran, but there's no real deep substance to it. Um, and so, yeah, the similarities, and there are enough similarities for you to have real discussions with Muslims. Um, but yeah, the deep, closer you dig, the more difference it is, because it really does become, um, Islam is very religious, and it's a religion, Christianity is a very different, it's relational, and the more you dig into it, the more the difference appears. But the question of how you discuss is a great one. And some people here will probably like discussing difference and other people will like discussing similarity and I'd just say, work, whatever works with you. There's no point walking in and saying to someone, hey, let's have a fight because we disagree. Unless you're really gifted at that. Some people are great. Um, 
But yeah, it's an important question. Do you start with similarity? Do you start with difference? There's certainly enough similarity so that you can have a good discussion about God because you've got enough of the concepts that are the same to be able to pull that off. Um. I've got a question yeah? over here. Yeah? Kylie. Thanks, Richard. Fantastic. When I came to faith, I found that I really had to deal with the person of Jesus and I found very compelling the C.S. Lewis argument he was either Lord, liar right. or lunatic. What I find very illogical about um, Islam is that they can relegate, they can acknowledge Jesus as somewhere in there, call him a prophet, despite the extraordinary claims that he made about himself. How do you find Muslims defend that illogicality, oh, as I yeah, see Yeah, right. Well, because they can just sideline any of Jesus' claims by saying that that's, the Bible's been changed at that point. So Muslims don't sort of... Even though theologically they'll say we start with the Old Testament, then, then the New Testament, then the Quran, and the Quran confirms all the previous ones, in reality what they do is they just take what the Quran says and then they reverse engineer. So if the Quran said Jesus wasn't divine, then he wasn't, and if it says that in the New Testament, well, then that, that bit's been changed. So that's how you, that's the argument. I don't think it's a great argument, but that's, that's the way it fits in your head. The Quran's got it right. Everything else before has been corrupted and distorted. Okay, we've got one other back. Richard, I know that there is a, um, a broad spectrum of Muslims in terms of their devoutness, etc. Right. Um, in the Western world, I, f- I feel like one of their catch cries in the media, etc., is that they're a very peaceful religion. What, I mean, a lot of people think when you dig deep down and that there really isn't, but a lot of Muslims say that they are. What do we say to that and how do we respond when someone is, who's interested in Islam and thinks it's a great religion... Um, and it's very peaceful, how do we respond to that? Yeah, well, first thing I'd say is most Muslims are peaceful. The number of Muslims who are actually interested in getting violent are very, very small. Um, but the Quran, particularly the Quran, and we can go beyond that into Muhammad's life as an example, but the Quran clearly has this expectation that Muslims are going to be able to fight. Even if it's defensively, you can still fight in the name of Islam. Not for self-defense, not for defense of your country, but in defense of Islam, you can and should be fighting. Um, that's a problem. And what that means is if you have people who have a very conservative take on by saying things like, well, how it was like back then, it has to be like that now, then it's hard to argue against them that that's not Islamic. Very few people do, by the way. The, the most common view is, well, that was for then. It's not like that anymore. But I don't know how you can argue that against an Islamist who wants to say, well, why isn't it like that anymore? There's no reason for it to change. There was no command that said, don't do it anymore. So I think it is, the Quran is a problem, and Islam, because Islam is about law and law enforcement, that's a problem as well. So it's a real problem, but... Again, very, very few Muslims have any real interest in it, and most Muslims are peaceful everywhere in the world, by the way, not just in Australia. And also, you, you have liberal Muslims, Sufi Muslims would probably disagree with everything I've said about Islam today, and they'll just say, well, it's not like that. Um, I just want a personal relationship with God. Um, 
And I think that goes back to the, do we worship the same God? I think Muslims want to worship God. <laughs> I think we have the same, it's like what um, Ecclesiastes says, we have, we're built with eternity in our hearts, they want to connect with God, and Sufis in particular, they want to bypass the laws and get straight to God. Problem is that traditional Islam and the, old, the sort of mainstream schools of Islam give you no way of doing that. But most Muslims want to be peaceful, they just want to live their lives. Uh, they have no interest in imposing Islam on anyone. Um, it's, it's a problematic thing, but don't be scared of Muslims thinking that they're all out to get you. It's probably the takeaway, even if one or two wouldn't mind imposing it. Richard, we have kids out there that um, need to get picked up soon. Sure. And I know we've got lots of people who still want to have questions, but I'm going to be the guy who says, um, we're going to finish. But Richard will be here. Uh, here. Stick around. He's got some books if you want to grab his book. And if you want to ask him questions, I'm just going to say, Richard, plant yourself down the front here. And uh, people can come up and ask questions away. Uh, He will be here at 5 o'clock and 6.30. Hopefully he'll get home for lunch, though. That was a joke. Don't worry. I Um, promise to be taken out for lunch. So can I get you to put your hands together and thank Richard for coming today. Thanks.